scripture is the 16th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 16. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices and might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, And they were affrightened. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter, that he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall ye see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly, and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus was risen, Early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they had mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue. Neither believed they them. Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. 
They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and they preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirmed the word with signs following. Amen. My text is verse 6. And he, that's the angel, saith unto them, Be not affrightened. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. Behold the place where they laid him. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word again this morning. Oh, beloved, we have before us this morning different women than the women that we met Friday night. On Friday night, we met the daughters of Jerusalem full of pity for him whom they thought was innocent and was going to be crucified. And they were told not to weep. But here we have beautiful women. Mary Magdalene, out of whom seven devils had been cast out. Mary, the mother of James and Jude. Salome the mother of John and James, the sons of Zebedee. Johanna is added by Luke as one of those women who was married to a servant in Herod's house. And Luke's gospel tells us that there were other women with them. So we don't know the exact number, but there was a sizable group of women who come to the tomb. And we have a beautiful gospel preached by an angel. It is the gospel of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now Mark goes through several steps of Christ revealing himself that he is the risen one. These successive steps by which the incredulity of the apostles was subdued and their minds were prepared for the reception and the execution of the Great Commission. You will notice here that the women leave frightened, according to Mark's gospel, and amazed. They come and they tell their story to the disciples, and they did not believe. Mary Magdalene, after she meets Jesus Christ, tells the disciples, and they did not believe them. And then we read that Jesus upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. 
And now you and I receive the gospel of Jesus' resurrection also. And what is your, what is mine reception? God forbid that it is hardness of hearts. Same old, same old story. What can we add to it that's new? God forbid that it's unbelief. For we live in an age in which what is called the church, many reject the actual resurrection of Jesus Christ. They say that Christ only was risen in the minds and the hearts of his disciples and us today too when we remember him. Not a literal resurrection. So we have stages here in Mark's gospel. You have first of all these women, verses 1 through 8. Then you have Mary Magdalene, verses 9 through 11. And then you have the two disciples that are journeying on the way to Emmaus, verses 12 and 13. And then finally, Jesus' appearance to the eleven as they are gathered together. And there is the hint also here. Mark gives it, but he doesn't relay the actual event itself. Go into Galilee, there he will meet you where Jesus appeared to over 500 followers. And the purpose of these successive stages is in order that witnesses may be sure that they have heard, they have seen the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. The testimony is true. And therefore, the commission verses 15 through 18, to go forth and to preach this gospel that these women received that Easter morning. So notice with me the theme of the women at the tomb. The women at the tomb, we see the power of strong love, first of all. We see, second of all, fear and anxiety. And thirdly, we find Jesus in his resurrection. What strong love this was. What great love, what devotion. These ladies, just as soon as the sun had set on that Saturday their Sabbath, they go buy spices. They go buy spices that night so that very early the next morning when it is light again, then they may be there at the tomb and may they, they may carry out this loving devotion to the one whom they love, Jesus Christ. They leave while it's still dark out. The light just coming when they reach the tomb, the graveyard. What great love and what boldness, notice, because they are visiting the grave of one who was put to death as a common malefactor. The religious leaders had been threatening the people 
for a long time already. Don't mention the name of Jesus or you'll be put out of the synagogue. You'll be put out of the temple. And now these chief priests, along with the Roman power, had put the man to death for his claim that he is the king of the Jews. How many today would dare go and visit with a person that the government has condemned? I'm thinking of many communist nations or Muslim nations. One hardly wants to be seen near a person that has been singled out by the government for serving Christ Jesus, lest the same thing might happen to them. But no, they are devoted and they are going to show honor to the one that their nation has despised. That shows boldness. And they have a compelling reason to be there. And they have a compelling reason to hasten there to the tomb that morning. The reason being that decay might make it impossible to handle the body. They have a labor of love that they want to carry out. They want to anoint his precious body. Beloved, their being there that morning shows all the difference between a weak faith and a strong faith. It shows the difference between weak feelings and strong feelings. They come to the tomb. Where are the disciples. Where are the male leaders of this group that had been following Jesus Christ? Where are those 11? They are hiding behind closed doors. Afraid. The leaders have attacked their Savior might they now come after them also? But nothing can hold these ladies back. They hasten. They hasten to the tomb because they have tasted the Lord's parting grace and mercy. They had spent hours with him and they loved him. It is these women that supported Jesus Christ and his disciples in their earthly ministry. It's a Mary Magdalene out of whom seven devils were cast out. They want to anoint their loved master, Jesus Christ, because their hearts their hearts are full of gratitude. They are willing to risk all things in order to testify of their love for Jesus Christ. Yes, as we read in the Song of Solomon, 
chapter 8, verses 6 and 7, love is strong as death. Many waters cannot quench it. Neither can floods drown it. Unknowingly, the body of Jesus Christ is not there. Unknowingly, they did not really have to fear the corruption and the decay that would come to that body. For even as Peter, later on on Pentecost morning, quotes from David that God would not suffer his Holy One to see corruption. That is, Jesus Christ and his human nature, the body there in the grave was immune from corruption. It would not happen. But these ladies didn't know those scriptures or didn't remember those scriptures, didn't apply those scriptures. As wrong as they were in looking for the living amongst the dead, they were full of love for him. They keep on calling him their master or where have you laid my Lord, says Mary Magdalene. Bold, strong love for Jesus Christ. They don't understand why death. But they do not question his claims that he is the Messiah. How he's going to save, when he's going to save, they don't know. Even as the two disciples on the way to Emmaus had hoped that he was the Messiah who would rather soon finally deliver them they do believe that Jesus is the Messiah as he claimed. They have a love for him. Maybe looking even and believing that maybe he'll come back another time to establish his kingdom. They do not know what to do with the death yet. Because they didn't remember what Jesus had said or understand it. Didn't Jesus say that he was going to suffer and die and on the third day rise again? But they must have thought to themselves along with the disciples, that's a parable. That's a terrible parable, but it's a parable that looks to some other kind of spiritual truth. Truly that can't happen to our Messiah. But it happened. There he hung on the cross. Dead and buried as we confess in the Apostles' Creed. They loved him. They were devoted, even in his death. And I might ask at this time on the year of our Lord, 2023, where do we find that kind of strong love for Christ Jesus? And his claims that he is the Messiah, the Savior. Do we come to hear Jesus and do we come to see Jesus when it's convenient for us? 
I'm thinking a moment here of what we read in Acts chapter 24, and that is when the Apostle Paul is giving a testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ to Festus. And we read there in Acts 24, verse 25, as Paul reasoned of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time, for when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. I'm reading that text for you and me to ask ourselves if sometimes that is our attitude. When it comes to devotions, when it comes to hearing the word of Jesus from his word and Christ Jesus as he set forth, do we try to determine when is a time convenient for us? After we've done our work, or after we have engaged in some sports, or after we've done other things that appeal to our flesh, is that then finally the time that is convenient for us to hear or to see by faith Christ Jesus set forth in the Scriptures? Or again, these women were facing real dangers. They were willing to do anything necessary on that Sunday morning so that they could anoint his dead body. Regardless if there are Roman guards still around, whatever difficulties that lay before them, they are going to go with their spices and anoint his precious body. Are you and I willing to face any danger? Willing to go through fire and water for Christ's sakes? I think of these many martyrs in many countries today. Put in jail. Put in death. Because they're going to witness about Jesus to their Muslim neighbor. Are you willing to do that? Do you have that kind of love and devotion to Christ that you are willing to lay down your life for his cause? Many are not. And the only answer that we can give to that is weak faith or a low sense of obligation to Christ Jesus? Should I risk my life to grow across oceans or to speak to the neighbor across the road or maybe even speak to someone of our own household, a child, a son, or a daughter, or a parent? Must I speak to them? Must I give witness to them? What is the answer to that? Jesus gives it in one of his parables. We have it in Luke's Gospel. Luke 
chapter 7. This is with the woman who came there into the Pharisee's house. And with her tears, she washed Jesus' feet. Whereas the Pharisee didn't do that. And she wiped his feet with her hair. And she anointed him for his burial. And Jesus says to this Pharisee then, Wherefore I say unto her, unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Is that maybe at times why we do not feel an obligation to witness to, of Christ when we're given an opportunity with a family member or a neighbor or a co-worker do we know how much we have been forgiven? And there, because we have been forgiven much, we love much. That's my first point. Even with their ignorance, they want to anoint a dead body, and there's no dead body there. They should have known that. There's love there. There's devotion there. There's boldness when the eleven are huddling themselves behind closed doors this group of women while it's still dark out are going to carry out this loving deed to their Lord to their master to the Messiah yes in Mark's account Luke's account we also see, don't we, fear and anxiety. As they are walking there to the tomb, they are talking with one another, and all of a sudden it dawns on them. Are there still going to be guards there? Are there going to be any men there? For there is a huge stone that was rolled before the grave. How are we going to move it? How are we be going to be able to get into that tomb to anoint the body of our Lord? They are full of fear about that stone. How can they move it? And we see in this sometimes the difficulties that you and I see in our lives disappear when we finally approach them. It was something that we really didn't have to be afraid of. And these women did not have to be afraid of that stone because it had already been rolled away. There was an earthquake. The angel of God had come down and had moved that stone, not simply rolling it a little bit away, but he had pulled it away from the tomb. We might ask the question, 
why did the angel move that stone? Was it impossible for Jesus to be raised without it? The question is no. For we know later on in that day he comes right through locked doors into a room with the disciples because he's got a new glorified or spiritual body that is not limited with the earthly things. Their fears were needless. But let's get back to the question, why is that tomb opened? Surely the tomb was opened so that these women are able to enter into that tomb and to witness the emptiness. He is not here. But I believe it's more than that. I believe that angel opened up that tomb like that because as a servant of Jesus Christ, this angel is, as it was, were paving a red carpet for the King of kings, the Lord of lords, to come forth from the grave. What a grand exit. He is risen. So what the ladies were fearing wasn't there to exist. The tomb's open. And what a picture that is then of the experience of many of us as Christians. Cast down, oppressed by anticipating evil. What's going to happen to me now? in this circumstance or that circumstance. We raise up all kinds of doubts and fears in our mind rather than being aware that God is in control. And God is with us always. You see, our calling is to walk boldly just like these ladies walked there boldly, even while they had these fears in their mind. Those were taken away. Walk boldly, fellow saints, by a more practical faith. We will not be forsaken on the path of duty. The Lord is with us. So we see fear, first of all, because anticipated things which didn't exist or where the Lord is in control. We see fear in the presence of the Holy One. As these ladies stand before the door of the tomb, that open door, they enter and there they see the angel. And they are afraid. We read in verse 5. Wouldn't you be afraid? For heavenly things are a cause for fear and fright, aren't they? This spiritual being is described as a young man dressed in white. For angels are spiritual, unseen. But 
are able to take on the form, the appearance of a man. While they're visiting an Abraham and eating with Abraham before they go on to Sodom and Gomorrah or on that Sunday morning. Heavenly things are a cause for fear and fright. They're a cause for fear and fright, first of all, because we are earthly. And we are therefore accommodating to things that we see around us, but spiritual things, this dazzling young man in white. Heavenly things are scary to us earthly beings. How can this be? How can it be a young virgin conceives and bears a son without knowing a man at all? How is it that the Red Sea opens up before the Israelites? Because we're earthly, many have a hard time to believe all the miracles in the Scripture, whether it be in the Old Testament or the miracles of Jesus done in their midst. But we are afraid at times also because when confronted with heavenly things, we are sinful. And who are we to stand there in the presence of God and his grace and his glory? Moses was able to see the backside of God and his face glowed. But how many were afraid You think of Elkanah and Hannah when an angel came. They were afraid because we are sinful and they are the servants of Jehovah, righteous and holy. No, there is no cause for those who are friends of Christ Jesus to fear the holy. And that's why the young man, that is the angel, says, be not frightened. Yes, the world that we live in, a sinful, defiled world, should be afraid of holy things and of heavenly things. And yes, sinners have every reason to be full of fear about holy things or the kingdom of heaven or to be in fear of the resurrection. For as we heard Friday night, the wicked will cry out in the day when Christ comes again for the mountains to fall upon them and the hills to cover them because they cannot, they do not dare to approach the Holy One. God, the kingdom of heaven, Christ Jesus, and all heavenly things condemn them. For the wicked are unable to stand before the Holy God, and the only way that you and I can stand before the Holy God is through the one who is our intercessor, Jesus Christ, isn't it? 
Now to confront Christ Jesus risen from the dead. He is God's ordained judge of the whole world. He is the one who arose, who ascended into heaven, and is going to come again to judge the living and the dead and to reward each according to what they've done, either good or evil. No cause for these women to be affrighted with heavenly things because these women were lovers of Jesus, a love that had been worked in their hearts by God through faith. These women were seeking a crucified Christ. And that makes all the difference when they meet up finally with the resurrected Christ. You and I today who seek a crucified Christ who died for our sins, look forward to the resurrected Christ coming again in all his glory. We're not affrightened. Because he died for our sins. You see, Easter morning means nothing without a good Friday. Jesus went to the cross in order to take away our sins. It is only those who stand in faith before the cross of Calvary can stand without fear before the Holy One today. Yes, they did not understand Jesus' death. But they firmly believed that Jesus was who he said he was, the Messiah. Dead? Was he an imposter? And the answer is no. You see, the feelings of these women are unchanged by even his death. Listen to Mary Magdalene as she speaks to that supposed gardener. They have taken away my Lord. That's faith. They believe, they believed that his body was there. They wanted to anoint it because he was their Lord. And they kept on believing that. Not sure how he was going to save them yet, but he, they believed he was their Lord. Faith removes fear and anxiety from us. Notice with me thirdly this morning, we find Jesus in his resurrection. And yes, this angel, because Christ tells the angels, or God tells the angels what to say, the angel gives a mild rebuke. Why seek ye the living among the dead? Mild rebuke. Friday we heard a very forceful rebuke of the daughters of Jerusalem. This is a loving rebuke. Just like there was a loving rebuke to Martha once before 
because Mary wasn't helping her to serve. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, Mary has chosen the better thing, a mild rebuke. And here's a mild rebuke for these devoted women who love their Lord. Why are you, living, why are you seeking the living among the dead? In other words, they were looking for Jesus in the wrong place. Boys and girls, if you want to find a polar bear, are you going to go down to Africa? You say, no, they're not in Africa. Well, if you want to see a whale, will you go down to the plains of Iowa? You say, no, whales aren't there. If you want to find Christ Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, that's what he said when he raised Lazarus. Are you going to look among the dead? A rebuke, a mild rebuke, a loving rebuke, because they should have known better. As the angel is told by God to say, remember how he spake unto you? Oh, they forgot. They had forgotten his words. But listen to the beautiful message of the angel preached. A beautiful gospel. Christ is risen. He's not here. Risen, he's living. And because he's living, there's life for the church. He's not here. That was their thing. If Jesus is risen, well, where is he? When Lazarus was risen from the dead, there they could see him coming out of the tomb, still wrapped with the linens around his body. Or the young boy of the widow of Nain, he came off the litter that they were carrying him on. Or Jairus' daughter. There they had her, right in their midst. But you see, Jesus has risen to a level that he didn't have before as our Savior. He was then made earthly, a body that is here on this earth, is dependent upon the earth, but now he is raised with a glorified spiritual body. Behold the place where they laid. So they're there in the tomb, and the angel is sitting there at the foot. He says, look, look, he's not here amongst the dead. Look, the linens are still here, but he has transcended. He has left. He has been raised. What evidence was there? Evidence enough so that when John and Peter come, they look, they see, and they believe. And now the commission, go. Go your way and tell his disciples and Peter. They shall see him. He lives. He lives. What comfort. What comfort for these women... Yes, they are afraid, astonished, filled with amazement. They don't talk to anyone on their whole way back to the disciples where they report what they saw and heard. What comfort for the disciples. Jesus is risen. What comfort for Peter. 
What painful words it must have been. Tell the disciples. Oh, and Peter, the one who had denied him. But Jesus lovingly says, yes, and tell Peter. I'm saying Jesus because Jesus is the one who commissions his angels. What they are to say, tell Peter. I am risen and I will, and you will see me. He was talking there about Galilee, finally. Oh, there's more times in between, isn't there? What exceeding kindness of God toward his backsliding servants. Mark says, they hear these reports, they don't believe it. They hear the reports, they don't believe it. So finally, Jesus interacts with them in person. No wonder we read then, blessed are those who do not see, Jesus says to Thomas, and believe. We serve a risen Savior. I put to you on this Easter morning, how important is the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ to the child of God? How important is it? I direct you to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. Your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not up. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Let me ask that question again. How important is the resurrection to us as believers? If it's not true, go home and don't come back to this place again. If this is just one big myth, but it's not, God's word is sure. Christ is risen. What comfort. And we're going to hear tonight why it's such a comfort. Because it is proof of our justification. And it is the very possibility for us now to live new spiritual lives and because it's a pledge of our resurrection and our glory christ has risen the first fruits and there is all those who believe in christ jesus are have been raised to new life already and eventually will be with christ in heaven amen O oh, Father in heaven, we thank thee that we do serve a risen Savior, a conquering Savior, a victor over the devil, a victor over the law and its curses for our sins, a victor over death, the grave, and hell. What a Savior we have. Fill our hearts with gratitude so that we eagerly, eagerly seek him and serve him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.